Hey, all you woke-ass people, it is Madame Nymphadora, the credit union's spiciest queen, and your host of Woke-Ass People Podcast, featuring storytellers, advocates, and disruptors. On this episode, we feature a good friend of mine, Don Lepore, visiting us from Arizona. Don comes to us with over 10 years of experience in the financial services industry, considering herself a reformed bank employee and is now a credit union development educator. She is passionate about the credit union movement and enjoys exploring ways in which the credit union model can serve and support their member communities better. Don and I are both a part of a social circle of emerging leaders who are inspired to make the world a better place socially and economically. Sit back and listen as we chat with Don Lepore. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, Credit Union Land. This is Madam Nymphadora. The Credit Union Space's spiciest queen coming to you live but not live with the beautiful and fabulous Don Lepore. Don, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. I'm so excited. As as I just said your name and like rolled off my tongue, it made me think of like, oh my gosh. So one of like queer icons drag enthusiast her name is amanda lapore and she just no had way. all this like work done like you'll have to google her but oh my um gosh. super fabulous so don lapore oh, and i, I have like to apologize up front i had a birthday show last night so i sound <laughs> like i crawled out of the black lagoon <laughs> i promise i didn't <laughs> you sound great oh thank you now don where are you where are you at today what's happening I- yeah, I am. Uh, I'm here in my kitchen in Tucson, Arizona, the hottest place in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like everywhere is so hot anymore. My phone has been giving me an excessive heat warning for the last several days. Are you serious? Yeah, it's basically been like, hey, don't go outside. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, like, what's that feel like? <laughs> I mean, so the. <laughs> I'm not from Tucson um, originally, but when I, I like say this now that I live here and it's so cheesy, but um, everybody always says, well, it's a dry heat. Uh, It's a dry heat. So it's fine. But actually that does make a difference. I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago. We took a family vacation, (laughs) which was um, an experience in a pandemic with a couple toddlers, but um, (laughs) In, I mean, the, the humidity in Florida really does get to you. So the, mm-hmm. the Arizona heat, we basically like so we just stay inside. But the nice thing is when you go outside and it's crazy hot, you come back inside and it's air conditioned and you cool down in like a few minutes. So you're not all like super sticky and gross. God, unless you're me and then like it takes forever to cool down. <laughs> it's just constantly hot. I hate the heat. I love that don't, you bring up like here. don't move there. You know, I've I've only been to Arizona once and I'll admit I did love it. Where so did you much. go? Uh Phoenix. Oh, like okay. yeah. kind of all around Phoenix. I was there for a weekend and visited one friend and we were staying like on the how do I want to say maybe like the southeast side of Phoenix and then another friend um that I went and visited she lived on like the north 
west mm. side of Phoenix. So got to experience a little bit of all of it, but it's so beautiful. It I mean, really I loved is. it. Yeah, I came here from Southern California. And so, and, and that, that was a, a big adjustment. They're very different, like, areas. Um, you know, the, the Southern California feel, you've got freeways everywhere. There's one freeway in Tucson. The, okay. Yeah, it's very different. Tucson has, Tucson for as big a city it is, has a very small town feel. It's a, it's a big city. It's just very spread out. So okay, you don't cute, feel yeah. like you're in like this huge city. You know, Phoenix is very, you know, very busy metropolitan. Tucson's pretty different and it took some adjusting, but I, this is, this is home for me now. I really like it here. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. fabulous. So your story, did it begin in Southern California? So I was born in Michigan. Okay. I've, bounced, I've, I've bounced around a little bit. Born in Michigan. My family. Journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my family um, moved to England for my dad's job. We were there for a few years and then Southern California and then Tucson. Oh my gosh. Okay. So hard stop. <laughs> Help me out with England. <laughs> what was happening there in the UK? That so I, I, my dad has told me like a probably a dozen times what he he's retired now, but what he did, and damn it if I could recount that for you, but like <laughs> he's gonna kill me. Um, so I don't remember exactly what he was doing, but he was working on uh, some kind of project. He worked for a software company, and so there was a project that they had overseas, and and it was either that it was either England or Germany. And my dad decided, well, let's not have to learn an entirely new language. So we went to England. We were supposed to be there for about three years, ended up being there for close to six years instead. Wow. I was there so for was that a little like while. Teen years and stuff? I was seven when I moved. And then, so it was like second through seventh grade oh my that I was there, moved to San Diego for eighth grade. Oh my gosh. And then was in San Diego. Mm hmm until Tucson. Yeah, San Diego in Southern California. I, I went to college, did my undergrad in Orange County, um, and then moved out to Tucson with my now husband. I love this. I love, see, this is why I love, you know, this, this space for storytellers, because I think it's so interesting to hear, like, and learn from where people come from, you know, like, and that's so amazing. I've never even been outside of this country. So like, I'm always like, tell mm -hmm. me, tell me what other countries are like. I'm so interested. <laughs> it was, it was a wonderful experience being able to, especially at a younger age, having that gift of being able to travel around to yeah. and, and experience other cultures. And I, I haven't, I have not left the country since we moved back. Um, and I'm really just, and, and now I have a, an almost two-year-old and I, you know, I want that for him. So we got to figure out how to make that happen. Absolutely. Where are you going to go? What's on your plan? Yeah. First up on the list would be to go to Italy. My husband's Italian. His both sides of his families are like a hundred percent Italian. So, uh, and both of us have been to Italy. So we really want to go now. We've kind of done the touristy things, right? So now we just really want to go and and go to, you know, where where his um, grandparents' families where they kind of originated and see some of that. You know, not 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 real Italy. That's not the right word because everywhere is like real, but the less touristy stuff. I guess yeah. kind of yeah, get like into the, the smaller towns and yeah like your roots where you yeah. like oh my god that's 
Uh, so you probably like, does your husband hate Olive Garden? <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> no, he's not. He's not quite that picky, but it's certainly not the same as like his grandma's meals. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had to ask that because one of my friends at work, um, her family or her husband's parents like had immigrated from Italy. And mm. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> is it like a faux pas to go to? Um, <laughs> any of these like Americanized Italian restaurants yeah <laughs> no we've gone we've gone there as like a family with his family so they're not they're not quite that um selective open to new types of food yeah there you go so so on your journey like traveling around like throughout school and whatever it might be like where where was a moment that you like got so we kind of kicked in some some whispers in your ear like Don you should like get involved in the community like mm. you should do this or do that like where was there a pinnacle moment for you you know I don't have like an aha moment I guess but it, I, I think a lot of this was was in the making for a, a good portion of my life. You know, I had that experience of being able to travel and, and see some other cultures. Um, and then in high school, I think is where I started to have a bit of a, a mindset shift. And then definitely in college was where it really started to, to click that, like, you know, I, I, I had these experiences of seeing other cultures, but like, what am I, what am I going to do within my own communities to, support and and make people's lives better I've always I've always been kind of a helper I guess and and wanting to be involved in making people's lives better in some way I went I did my undergrad degree in psychology Love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it but I, I saw myself maybe being a therapist at some point and I decided that just didn't feel like the right fit and didn't really know what I was going to do and then you know now that I've kind of landed in the credit union industry by chance, honestly, <laughs> but, but not, I don't think, I don't think it was actually by chance. I think that they're, you know, they're kind of forces that guide you into where you need to be. Um, yeah. Like the force, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this is, this is a, a movement now where I feel like I can really make a difference, but growing up, I, I, I was in, the area I was in in San Diego was relatively conservative. And so there was a lot of that kind of mindset around. And I didn't really, I was one of those people that didn't think I was political mm -hmm. uh, because I had the privilege to not have to be sure. at the time. And now, now that I've kind of come to that realization, uh, I'm, I'm very much political now. <laughs> <laughs> You're engaged. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, so something that I want to highlight that I get like I get so excited about people that study psychology one of my like my best friend in the whole wide world is a therapist awesome. and I had studied psychology in my undergrad there and I was like she and I just have had conversations about how that is something that literally should be the base of all education is mm -hmm. psychology because there's I mean as you know studying it you know not just psychology of mental health but sociology 
and yeah. physiology. I mean, there's just so many different components of like how we should understand or could better understand humans, like through communication and just like nonverbals. I mean, God, we could go on and on for hours about that too. But oh, like, yeah. like credit union people that have the background of psychology, like that's what made me want to go into psychology is I was working at a credit union and oh, really? I was like, I was really interested in marketing too. And I was just like, how do we like buy, like, what does the consumer make? Like, that's a psychological choice that consumers are making. Mm -hmm. And I had people all the time, they're like, that's so crazy that marketing and psychology, but it's not, I mean, oh, I'm sure it's like aided you. I mean, what has that been like for you in your roles? Psychology just, it really helps to, I, I hope, um, I, I hope for anybody who's, who's had some kind of psychology background, um, I think this has been true for me, but it helps you to just, there's two things, get a better understanding of who you are as a person and how you work and think, because it kind of forces you to, to get to know yourself a little bit better or I, I, at least I think it should, hopefully, yeah. but definitely to, to get to understand how other people work a little bit better. And I think that that really helps to develop empathy for people. And that's, I think, I mean, a, a credit union movement without empathy that, I mean, that's just not even a credit union anymore at that point. And I, I think it's just absolutely incredible. Louder for the people. <laughs> not a credit union. <laughs> Let me guess, were you on that side of the wall that, that was like, this is a social movement? Oh, <laughs> yeah. How did you, how could you tell? <laughs> yeah. I had, and I get it. I, I absolutely get both sides. I mean, you can't, you can't function as a, an organization, especially a financial institution without having funds to right. do what you need to do. But then once you have them, what are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with it that makes a real tangible difference in the lives of the community that you serve? Yes, uh, girl, go on and preach. What is next? <laughs> like, tell me, like, what in, in your experience and involvement in the credit union space or just in the financial services sector in general, um, like, where have you seen that, like, come to play of, of actually being, like, a social change agent as, as a financial institution? Gosh, I have to, I'm trying to think of like, loaded quest. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like a great example, but you know, one thing that kind of stands out to me, my credit union just put out this great, like advertisement, kind of speaking of marketing, we created this great video about our, our whole thing is we're not a bank. That's what we have been. That's kind of our marketing campaign that we've been putting out for a, a couple of years now, at least, basically. Yeah, we are not a bank. We're not. And I love that. I think it's very, very bold. <laughs> it is uh, bold. Yeah. And this, this, this commercial that they did um, kind of went along with that theme and they, they, but they pulled in real businesses from mm -hmm. all over the, mostly the Tucson community. Cause we we're, we're in Tucson and Phoenix, but most of our our branches and, and most of our members are in Tucson. And so they had all of these businesses, small businesses from the Tucson community and really like featured all of them and 
just kind of showcase like what that you you really kind of got a feeling for like that Tucson vibe um okay. which anybody who's 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 who lives here or who's listening or who's been to Tucson hopefully you kind of get what that that feeling is because I just don't know <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it well but there's such a Tucson a Tucson vibe um and really actually like you know, working with actual businesses in the community, businesses who, you know, like everybody else has been struggling this whole past, you know, year and a three, what, 15 months now, I guess, God. that we've been through this pandemic and like actually working with these real businesses in real people in the community rather than like having paid actors and stuff like that. I think like that's the kind of thing that would be so easy to to not think about mm -hmm. but that that's what credit unions should be doing i think like really really tying into the needs of real people right i know i'm with you i like 2020 so i had like transitioned jobs like so i left a natural person credit union mm -hmm. and i have to tell you like as as covid progressed and just like watching things all the pandemic over the entire united states i was sitting here going like all right and i'm still there i'm still on like the edge of my seat of like now is that opportunity for credit unions to as you're saying like really build conversations with the communities with those businesses that not yes we're experiencing hardship but like furthermore have been invested in that community for decades mm -hmm. and like i'm sure exactly like you're talking about like that to that tucson vibe or <laughs> i can't remember what you said but like yeah. how, what i can correlate that to is like everywhere I've lived, like my hometown Lincoln now, it's like, I know what you mean, because there's that where I like, where I'm at too, you know, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's like, okay, I remember when vaccines were rolling out a few months ago, even I was like, these credit unions are closed. What, how come there's not like, the, we don't have to be open for like cash transaction business, like why are credit unions like, not how can we look at new spaces? And it was actually one of Juan's unscripted happy hours that I learned there was a board member on there and this board member was just like, yeah, um, we do a vaccine clinic inside the credit union. And I was like, that, that I wasn't crazy. I wasn't crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love, I love hearing those stories of how credit unions have been so creative and um, I think I heard a story, I wish I could remember where I had heard this, but there was, um, you know, one credit union had, a larger credit union in, in an area had opened up their, um, you know, their drive-through and, and their branches to members from a different credit union that I think normally they, I assume they didn't normally, weren't normally able to serve those credit union members, but this small credit union that had to close everything, they just couldn't they couldn't support um, their members during the early phases of the pandemic. And so this other credit union was like, hey, well, we'll open up, you know, these areas for your members to come in and do transactions or come up to the drive-through or whatever it was. And like, that's, that just to me perfectly represents, you know, the cooperation among cooperatives, right? That's like what credit unions are, are Amen. just 
that's that's who we are yeah yes that's like even ever since I went through DE and like learning of our operating principles too like Mm -hmm. that was my favorite one because I've always just been like excited about like the YP groups I was involved in or the chapters I was just like how cool is this that like you know you look at some bankers associations and those folks are intentional and and I shouldn't say everybody is but their intention like of lobbying together Mm. whereas and maybe their own chapters are different I don't know but I know Mm. in our space I just think it's amazing that like the chapter system and the league system has like had been such a pinnacle thing for credit union the credit union space and it still is in some cases but you know it just is it started to dissipate even prior to COVID and so it's like you know what's kind of what's your thought I'm throwing some out-of-pocket questions like what is your thought of like how how can we re- revitalize our or like cooperation amongst cooperatives like in credit union specifically what can we do yeah. You know, my first thought was um, send everyone to DE. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Did you have that feeling when you graduated of like, oh my God, this person needs to, I know that person. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I, I didn't have specific people in mind. I will say, I just literally, like, I'm not kidding. I literally think everyone should, every single person should go to DE. Mm-hmm. Um, every single person who works for a credit union or works with a credit union Um, or just, you know, has any tangential relationship to a credit union (laughs) should go to DE because the, just the, the diving into the development issues and, and, and the cooperative principles too, that we talk about. I like, this is like shameful to say, (laughs) I did not know what the cooperative principles were, or even that we had them, I don't think until I went to DE. Me too. And I, had been in the credit union for like seven years at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that we, we should talk about more as well as just an industry and a movement is because that's, those are our roots. Like that's really what ties us together Mm -hmm. um, are those things. And so I think, you know, every credit union has their own, you know, mission and vision and, and values and strategic plan and all of that. But like it, when it comes down to it, the core of it should be those cooperative principles. Right, right. Now, like, so some of what my thoughts just went to there, and like, I'm an, I'm a not, I don't know how I like to say this, because it can always get misconstrued, but I'm a non-religious person, but I always seem to find some sort of parallel of credit mm-hmm. unions, financial cooperatives, and like houses of worship, any of them mm-hmm. is like, some of what you were just saying is like, um, you know, every, like having that core operating principle. And some of my thought was like, there are so many different types of religious practices, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that there's still some sort of like, like maybe operative principles that houses of worship like follow, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, how is like how do we how can we come back to that base of like this is what the operating principles are and like when I left DE or graduated and 
I was in a training role. And so I was just like, this is what we need to do a better job of training our staff too, to like know what we're doing. Yeah, I agree. And that's something that, that I am, have been having some conversations about with people at my credit union as well. Um, is I think that part of the reason I, I didn't really get what credit unions were all about for, for a little while was I think because my credit union just, I don't know if it was the role I was in because I started there in the back office. So maybe if I had been in the branches that might, that might've been, a, well, I'm sure it certainly would have been a different experience. <laughs> um, but I think that we could do a better job as an organization. This is just my own personal opinion, but we could do a better job of really kind of hammering that into our, our staff as they, as they're hired um, and, and just kind of in everything that we talk about. And I do feel like we're working towards that. Yeah. I, I think that know, other, I, mean, I think other people recognize that too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I definitely know all the all the shops that I was in, there was definitely credit union training. Like, this is what credit unions are. Um, even I work for a core vendor now and like the required training that like all staff go through. There's a whole section on like credit union history. And mm -hmm. A, I love that because it's like we all like no matter if any of us ever came from credit unions, like are learning that. But some things that I I guess because, okay, like I said, I came out of DE and was like, we need to be doing this. And I'm with you. Like, how do we hammer this home? How do we like make sure that it's there? And I like learned throughout the process that it's like, we could repeat it. L let me back up. We do that like when we onboard, but people aren't retaining this. So how do you, how do you get like have it be a constant reminder because I, I think that people like learn that like um the core value of credit unions and they're like oh my god that's cool yeah like who wouldn't mm. want to do this but then like a year year later like everything's day by day like you know life happens life goes on and um and that's like so maybe that's something where people can like lean on us as DEs in the system. You know, hopefully like organizations or chapters can be like, Don, like, hey, for our staff training, like that we're doing, can we do a refresher? Can we just yeah. like, let's talk about where we are. And I don't know, just, just some stuff like that. We gotta talk about it. We gotta, you know, be grassroots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Definitely all of us who are DEs, I don't know about you. I. I feel like I talk about that kind of stuff, probably not as much as I should, but I also, I don't know, maybe I'm <laughs> end up just being like this broken record if I talked about it as much as I think about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things like, you, you know, you're, you're in your day-to-day -day job, you're kind of focused on what you're doing. It's easy to, to just get into that habit and, and not always be thinking about that um, bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Like we all do that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, like, that I've learned, too, because my mom works in a bank now, and, like, there are times even, like, that I'll get on my soapbox, like, chatting with her, because she worked in credit unions, like, she worked for Farm Credit Services of America, so, like, she's got a wealth of experience, and, but, you know, like, sometimes small town 
bank branches like they're different like they're they're different than like a major you know corporate bank somewhere on a corner in a big city but my mom will constantly tell me like look I work for a bank and I'm not like one of these crazy like out to get you she's like I actually refer people over to a credit union for stuff if we can't help them like if there's something that our financial institution just by regulation can't do but on that vein regulation it's kind of like how has that had an impact on our consumers and who we borrow to and who our field of membership is how has that like had that influence I mean you know like I heard from um, an individual the other day that their credit union like if you've been a member for x amount of years or I don't even think there's like a time limit if you've just been a longtime member and you're a primary financial institution and you've got like shit credit you they're still going to give you the best rate because mm-hmm. you've got that relationship commitment but yeah. it's like you know here then I saw like your marketing company posted the other day a really thought-provoking question of like if you're still marketing your lowest rate to your community then you need a new value proposition because if you think about it all your marketing is saying this is the lowest rate that we're going to give the person with the best credit score so some of these people with lower credit scores are going to be like i'm not going to get that but yeah so like all of that like wrapped into one is like where do we go with marketing with community involvement with like word of mouth with this passion like how can we keep this energizer bunny hopping and beating the drum to the credit union movement like is it just DEs like do we do we organize some grassroots efforts where we're like you know hadn't taken over the opening people's eyes to credit unions what do you think (laughs) well yes to that first of all (laughs) oh gosh I don't think I have a great answer for that, honestly. Um, That's okay. But but I think like what we're what we're doing right now is where we start, right? Like we just keep talking about it and talking about it, and we talk about it to everybody we know. And then you know, if you kind of keep having those conversations over and over, like you said, being an energizer bunny with it, or or like being that broken record, then like it it will it will start to happen. I think it kind of can turn into like that like a snowball effect type of a thing it totally will I mean I don't know about you like I do I have been branded as that person that is just Dan works in a credit union or (laughs) (laughs) yes and I should say that because like people if people I have always been this way ever since I started working in credit unions too um and people were like oh Dan works for a bank I am the first to tell you the hell I do I do Mm. not work in a bank. That is not the name of the company that I work for. And if people are like, oh, same thing. I'm just like, no, uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh." you work for such and such hospital, right? Okay. You don't want me to come in and say that you work for such and such such urgent care. Because it's not an urgent care, is it? Mm. It is a full-grown hospital. So like that's been some of my push too. But you know what comes back around? is so I've got some friends that pop up and they're like, hey, I'm looking to get a car. Like, what do you think about a credit union over a bank? And it's it's like, mm-hmm. well, you remembered that because I was so 
constantly just driving home to you credit union credit union credit union yeah maybe that's what we need to do is just be <laughs> loud and proud and everywhere about it I absolutely agree with that and I yeah. I've gotten to be that person too like I'll I'm I post stuff on like my social media about it um not like incessantly but I've had a couple people reach out to me because of that and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I, this is something that I'm looking for. Like, is this something that your credit union can help with? I was like, yes, like, it's Don't get <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. And, and, you know, we just, we want to be there for people. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of making sure that people know that we are there for them and how we are there for them and what we do for the community. And I think that's just something we need to keep being really, really loud about. Credit unions need to do a better job of, of, of talking themselves up, I think. I think so too. And that's like storytellers, advocates, disruptors. Like mm. that's solely why I kind of like really threw emphasis on that tag of those three things because ever since I've been involved in credit union advocacy, it's all storytelling. Yeah. Learning in DE the founders of the credit union movement and the cooperative movement uh, for financial institutions were storytellers and were advocates and disruptors. And to me, that's, I think you're totally right. Like you said a few minutes, like this, this setting is what we do. We have to have constant conversations. Yeah. So that way, like, you know, it's, it keeps that momentum going. And like, to previous, which I do want to hit on with you too, is we were talking about um, just being more politically engaged or, you know, some sometimes I know that's hard for like the P word is one of those for listeners where mm -hmm. it's like, ah, what is that? But yeah. um, I like to really say, because it is, it's a democratic process. And a lot of folks too, they're like, what does the democratic process have to do with credit unions? I totally don't get it this is why credit unions can be and employees can be social change agents i think because democratic participation is how we started right like the storytelling advocacy and coming together as a cooperative so you know kind of kind of backpedal but still going forward on the same same road here like where where did your political action and and democratic participation i should say really come into I know earlier you said that that you've become politicized yeah um I think it was a slow burn for me it was a it was a process that kind of happened in little bits over the course of a few years what I what I did realize kind of recently I guess um the the biggest change for me and I think where I became the most um active and, and involved was having my son. When I had my son a couple of years, almost two years ago, that just being in the role of a parent um, and being responsible for this whole other life and, and shaping this person and, you know, what, thinking about what, okay, what are the values that I want him to have? What do I want him to see me doing? What do I want to model for him? Um, that really shifted how I think about things. I think that made me feel this e even a greater push to be more involved and, and do as much as I can to 
just, you know, make, make, make my community better, um, lift people up. Justice is one of my, I think I said this to you earlier before we started, but justice is like a core value of mine. That was something I learned in, in DE. And so seeing in what I, anything that I perceive to be an injustice really, really riles me up. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> which, which can probably be frustrating for the other people in my life. Cause then I like get on my soapbox about stuff and they're like, stop. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, I just, what I, like I said, just what, what I want, the values that I want to instill in my son, I, you know, I have to, I have to live that too. Right. So I can't just say it because I can say anything I want to him. It doesn't mean he's going to do it uh, <laughs> as I, as I have been learning, um, now that he's much more mobile. <laughs> uh, so yeah, put that down. <laughs> yeah. Stop, stop. Hey, stop. Um, <laughs> but just so, so that's, it's kind of really forced me to be, to be the, the person, start really thinking about the person that I want to be um, and, and living up to that idea that I have in my head as best I can so that I can model that for him. And that, that has meant, you know, being, being more politically involved, making sure that I know what's going on as hard as that can be sometimes just with, with life. It's hard to stay up to date on things that are happening because there's so much happening all the time. You know, and like really on that too, it's like <clears throat> some of creating like the second set of going in with woke ass people here is like, I, there was such a drive of having this conversation around the time of the election, but really I wanted this to be ongoing because I just knew in my stomach that we were going to have a change in leadership. Mm. And I just felt like we can't go back to being like someone saying is in the white house. I'm now going to turn the news off. Like, no, yeah, you know what I mean? That like, and, and not that this has ever been a political show or anything of that nature, but talking about like being involved in our community, like we have to be aware, we have to know what's going on around us. And I mean, I'm sure in hindsight, and this is like this question I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to kind of flip it in a little bit of context since you um, brought up your child. What the question that I have is like, what would you tell your younger self about democracy or mm. like being in a participant? But what, like, what do you imagine eight, like, let's see, 16 years from now and <laughs> your son's getting ready to go vote and, or, you know what I mean? Like, I guess what piece of advice would you give your son 16 years from now? Oh, that's a, such a great question. The thing that I talk to my son a lot about, and he's two, so like these are very basic conversations that we have, <laughs> but we talk, we talk about empathy um, and we talk about our feelings and, 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 and I, I spend, I try to spend, you know, time validating his feelings and, and kind of just who he is as a person. And I think that, you know, when you just, when you like come down to it, caring about other people and caring about how they feel and, and their lives and having that empathy and compassion, that's 
that's really what I want him to value um, and understand and, and place importance on. And I think that that to me ties directly into what's going on politically. You know, I, I, I have I have my own views, you know, I, I tend to vote a certain way, but the, the reason that I vote is because this is, you know, this particular person or this particular, um, you know, proposition or whatever, I think is going to make people's lives better. And I think that's really what we should be thinking about. And that's why, you know, I, I, I came to realize maybe like later in high school or possibly into college that that I was political because the policies that are being made by our lawmakers affect people's lives in a very real way. And I, I had the privilege for a long time of not really having to think about that or worry about that because I am a white woman from a relatively middle-class family and it wasn't something that, that I had to worry about uh, because it wasn't affecting me. But that's not, to me, that's not good enough because I am one person and, you know, I, I care about other human beings. And so, you know, there, it, it may, something might not be affecting me personally, but it's affecting my friend um, or it's affecting, you know, my neighbor down the street or, you know, somebody in another city on the other side of the country and they matter just as much as I do. So that's, that's my mindset, I guess, when it comes to politics and, and being involved in the democratic process. And that's why it's so important to be involved um, because these, these policies that people in office make are, have, have a very real impact on people. Um, and I want, I guess all that to say, <laughs> that's how, that's how I think about it. And that's how I, you know, we'll tell my, kind of explain it to my son when we start talking about voting when he's old enough to kind of understand what that means. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I think that's fabulous. Yeah. And you brought up some really amazing points just about how with the, where we are in our own respective communities is like a, just a, like a microcosm of yeah the bigger picture, you know, and it, and it really is thinking about how that that policy decision like has such a major impact on people's lives and you know like I'm not definitely not going down like partisan issue route but I think the thing that just drives so many questions in my mind in, in many levels of advocacy is like how come Sorry, oh, let me ask this in a second. We'll edit it. My dog is obviously very thirsty. Hi, friend. There was one um, interview I had that I straight up had to pause it because these two were <laughs> fighting. Oh, no. Oh, it's okay. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so like talking about that, like being more involved in our community and and our democracy and what we can do to 
make things better and have like better conversations. Some of the thought that I had was just that there's so many policies that are trying to hinder people. And mm -hmm. how come like in the bigger picture of advocacy, we're just not seeing that like the Equal Rights Act is something that literally gives people equal rights. The, the Fair yeah. Voting Act like literally gives people voting like rights that is a basic human right like in this country as well. Like what are we doing? But I mean, all that to say, <laughs> um, like, how can we do, how can we as a credit union system do a better job of representation? Like, and, and not just in a ad way of advocacy, but like in a way of like, in our credit unions with our employees, with our coworkers, in our communities, um, whether we're marketing people or not, like, what do you think we could do a, a better job at in representation? You know, it's interesting. I happen to have a brief conversation with my CEO about that aspect um, of representation. And in, in talking to her, one of the things that we, we touched on was that it, I feel like a lot of it starts with, with leadership in, mm -hmm. in a, which is, it's kind of, can be kind of frustrating, I think, but I think that's also just reality, is, is it's important for leadership to recognize that, how important it is to be representative of the communities that we're serving. And so it's kind of up to leaders to, to think about that when they're filling positions, when they're hiring, because then if, when you're bringing in people who are representing the community, um, then those people then, you know, they'll have that they have that mindset um, of the communities that they're representing. And so then, you know, as they're doing hiring, you know, they'll be looking for, for other people who, who are more representative of the community. And so it kind of, kind of trickles down in that way. I don't think that's the necessarily like the only way of doing it, but that is really important. It is. Um, and, and, and I, so I'm, I'm, I feel so happy to have a CEO like who had, that conversation with me um and and that's and representation that. yeah because you know like what that's telling to like your team or like other folks that your ceo is approachable of a two billion dollar credit union and can have a conversation with employees about this yeah she's she's really great she's she started with our credit union in october um so she's relatively new to to vantage west where i work um and okay. she's is uh, wonderful from everything that I have seen. I don't know her very well, obviously, but that's awesome. Yeah. Though that's I appreciate good. I appreciate all of the you know being willing to have those conversations and um, you know being transparent. Like that's that's the kind of thing that really shows me that it's not just it's not just talk. Mm -hmm. I guess and 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 I feel like I'm one of those people. I'm not super patient, so like I wish we could. <laughs> like <laughs> change things like immediately and it'll be this like amazing utopia it's not reality um <laughs> but the fact that we're, we're we're working on it and we're talking about it like that is very heartening to me that is that's super awesome and so we've talked about like being a human being cooperative being representative we talked about empathy and so this question is one of one of my favorite ones actually what happens if credit unions stop being passionate about building authentic human relationships 
we, we're just not credit unions at that point. We're, we're any old financial. We're the B word. We're the B word. <laughs> we <laughs> the financial institution who shall not be named. <laughs> oh my gosh, seriously. <laughs> are you a Harry Potter fan? I am. Same. I am. What are you in? So <laughs> I, I sorted myself two times. The first time I got sorted, I came out as a Gryffindor. Okay. I don't, I could kind of see myself there, but I didn't think that was right. I think I'm a Griffin Puff, honestly. Okay, cute, cute, love that. I think I'm a Griffin Puff. I love that. See, I feel like I'm a, a Slytherin. I'm a Slytherin. Very so, proud Slytherin, but, yeah. but there is yeah. that Hufflepuff. Hufflepuffs, I feel like, get so much crap and they're so they're like they're like undervalued but Hufflepuffs are very are very loyal and like kind and I so I I can relate to that I don't know if I'm yeah. brave enough to really be a Gryffindor I don't <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see <laughs> I believe in yeah <laughs> um. <laughs> no I'm, like, I'm so curious too um have you ever taken like the Enneagram test no, I haven't. And I really need, I have actually, I have like a million tabs open in like my browser <laughs> on my phone. And that's one of them. Um, okay, cute. I've you taken the Myers-Briggs. Have you? I haven't taken Enneagram. Yeah. Enneagram, you sound like you, you might be an eight as well. Eights are known as like defenders of justice. Oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, um, we're pretty direct forward speaking sometimes can come off bitchy sometimes <laughs> people who are listening who are just like Dan no Nymphadora not at all <laughs> only only a wee bit but I, the thing I love about the Enneagram though is like it helps like really build just some base communication like understanding mm. other person other people's not only personality type but like it really shows you some ugly shit about yourself like and, and like not in a way to like dissect it and like overthink it but it really I'll admit like there were some things that I was reading of just like okay I feel very victimized and like attacked that I'm being read for this but it's to like help realize that like hey there's like healthy and unhealthy parts of humans mm. yeah and if it's okay. not like focused right like you can be kind of unhealthy and so like what's what's the like the right track for like being a healthy eight and because it's not wrong to be direct you know and to like stand up for what you believe in but it's one thing if you're like these crazy mfers blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> might, might be a little alienating <laughs> I mean, just a little, but <laughs> I'm not saying I haven't done it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've done it a few times, oh. but also I guess someone could say that's a Slytherin in me. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, Don, we like have to meet real life and real person. Like this has to happen. I, I, in, in my DE class, we talked about doing a pilgrimage and like going all around to all, like kind of where everybody is we'll just like pick people up along the way on our road trip make our way out to like to madison um and then kind of just like travel the country and like meet up with all our friends and i want okay. to so badly <laughs> there you go i really think that um 
there just needs to be like some like big post COVID, you know, bash for gathering, yeah, mm-hmm. big celebration. I know I've met. I feel like I've met so many wonderful people, and it's been amazing to to get to connect to so many people that are in all these other states and. Um, I, I really look forward to being able to meet everybody in person someday. It's you know what I thought about this too? It's like, I used to have to wait for conferences to meet people. Yeah, yes. Like in person. And this like, mm-hmm. it's just been literally, I, I don't like personally want to like go fully back to an in-person. I do think that there should be like some sort of virtual component to things. Yeah. Because it's to me, it's like we just invited and like opened that opportunity. So what do we do? Just like now tell the folks that that worked out for to be like, sorry, now you're not welcome. Um, Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That like, how do things transition back? But yeah, I just like that there's this space and that there's, um, you know, there's so many folks like in our group of folks that we chat with and um, check in with like that wouldn't have happened like had right you know like there just been so much social injustice and unrest that we need to iron out and change and you know put our superpowers together like you know aqua teen hunger force or something (laughs) (laughs) but so like with that like I guess like a big cute final question I have for you is like where do we go our third eyes open. Where where are credit unions in a hundred years? Mm. I thought of I I thought about that question when you sent it to me, and I maybe I'm just too idealistic, but like I just I picture in my head this like amazing world where like everybody is happy and everybody is part of a credit union. And <laughs> I know that's like, You're a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Probably not actually going to happen. Um, but I, I mean, I think what we do is we keep, like, we just keep having these conversations, keep building the communities, like the, these things that we've been talking about, we, we keep talking about them and we talk about, we, we talk about them with as many people as possible. Um, you know, build, build our network. I, I think that we've had this amazing opportunity to build our networks and communities in a new way. Um, and I don't want to lose that. Like you said, I think it's so important for us to keep being able to, to connect to people in, in different communities and learn from one another and, um, you know, keep talking about how, how do we, how do we keep uplifting and, and supporting and serving our own communities? Um, and, you know, you do that for long enough and you're going to make a difference. Um, yeah. that's, not it's not gonna you know in a hundred years we're not gonna have my little ideal utopia but um but it will be better it will be better and that's what matters i think just keep making things better little by little yeah i think we can do that i think we can trust that process and do so trust the process right (laughs) (laughs) i think i was actually just talking about this in therapy the other day because Hmm. i can't remember what 
what he specifically got out. Now it's like not going to serve its purpose, but I can't remember what he was saying. But um, what we were talking about was like there being, um, what did he call it? Like a long-term result that um, there's sometimes like delayed results for uh-huh. like long-term term work. And like, you just, you're not going to see immediate results right away. And so we were talking about things like we were talking about Nymphadora and like just, you know, how we're we're on this journey. And um, I really felt like, yes, we say trust the process a lot. And it's like a great, like, let's stay centered. Let's trust mm-hmm. this process and know that like the universe is handling things the way that it should be handled. But I also, you know, have learned that in my job a lot, like doing doing a core conversion overall is just like, you do have to trust a huge major process and just see delayed results. But we're not gonna see it right away. Yeah. So it's, it's just, um, it is a process, right? And I think that this is like, like you said, like we just keep this intentional networking up and, we're going to be able to create, uh, you know, a pathway because that's going to be long after we're gone and that there's a legacy of cooperators and future storytellers, advocates and disruptors. And I hope that there's a baby drag queen out there that will take over woke ass people long after I'm gone. (laughs) I love what you said about being intentional um, because I think trust the process, what that could mean to some people is just like, let it happen, but there's work involved. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I love, I love the word intentional. So being, being intentional and, and continuing to keep, keep going and keep, keep working and keep doing what we're doing um, while knowing that there will be in the future a better result than, you know, a a better situation than what we're in now. Yeah, absolutely. Don, Don the poor, (laughs) thank you so much for taking some time out of your your Saturday and chatting with us about all things credit union and what we're going to do to get that utopian up off the ground. It was such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much.